Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And we, we left you with a cliffhanger we last did. time around. We were talking about the history of the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland yep. and how it came to be built and how that concept went from just an idea in the early 50s to becoming an actual thing that park visitors know about today because it really is quite a long and winding road for that, that ride in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we left off, uh, Roly Crump and Yale Gracie were two gentlemen that were working on effects that were going to go into the Haunted Mansion. And they had done this really amazing uh, demonstration where they kind of made a, a mock-up of the whole attraction and how it would work. And other uh, Imagineers and Walt and other stakeholders in Disneyland got to walk through it and experience it. They were all completely blown away by it. It's so amazing. Uh, it was also very slow. Yeah. Uh, those amazing effects had really wowed the whole crowd, but they also took way too long to play out. Uh, and the show was deemed inefficient at that point. So there was no way they could move people through quickly enough to avoid long lines and log jams. And there's a... Um, uh, term that's often used for rides when they're talking about um, load and how quickly they can get things through, that they wanted them to be people eaters, like they had to just be able to move people through really quickly. Uh, and so even if some of the elements of this show had been omitted, the time it was going to take to reset some of the effects for each new group coming through on the tour was just still not going to be workable. In addition to this whole timing issue... Walt had kind of cooled on this idea of the haunted house being a walkthrough attraction. Sleeping Beauty's castle features a walkthrough story display that's been there since the opening, and he had really never been too happy with it. And then, to make matters worse, uh, we talked about this in the first episode, there had been a debate over whether the exterior should look pristine or just a shambles. Uh, Walt wanted it to look pristine to match the rest of the park, and other designers wanted it to look crumbling, like a crumbling old mansion and a little run down like a haunted house normally would. The kind of place you'd look at and go, that is haunted. Yeah. Yeah. So that had been a little bit of a problem. And back when Ken Anderson, who was head of uh, this project at the time, uh, had been talking to Walt about it, he just decided he would move to focusing on the interior and they would table this issue. But they had just stopped talking about the outside of the attraction. There had never been an agreement on how it was actually going to look. And so that remained unresolved. So as the 1950s came to a close, so did plans for a Disneyland haunted house. And they basically put the whole thing on hold. Yeah, so the haunted house, uh, just to um, review quickly, had been part of the the plan for Disneyland since Walt first envisioned the whole park in 1951. So they had spent almost a decade at this point working on things, and then they just uh, had to kind of say goodbye to it for a bit. Yeah, I know, I know sometimes I get frustrated when I am banging my head against something, trying to work on it for like an hour and a half, and... They've been banging their heads working on this for like 10 years. Yeah. I mean, not the whole team, uh, but although they do go on for many more years. But uh, so the Haunted House project then languished until 1961. So it was a couple years. Uh, but Walt was still really eager to experience 
expand the park and the uh, WED team or WED, depending on what you prefer, uh, which eventually became Disney Imagineering, decided that they were going to once again take on this tub- troubled project. There was such a strong desire to get this thing up and running that they started passing out handbills in the park that very year, announcing that in 1963, two years down the road, the Haunted Mansion, as it was now officially was being called, would be open to guests and haunts. So a little bit of let's light a fire under ourselves to get this done, and also a little bit maybe putting some of the cart before the horse. Yeah, I mean, they were throttled by the deadline, and so construction really did kind of catapult forward. Uh, but even so, it was not quite at the pace that was hoped for. Uh, and while the exterior of the Haunted Mansion was in place, pristine, by the way, they went th- with Walt's pristine plan, which is not really a surprise. Uh, in 1963, the exterior was completely done, but the interior was far from finished. Walt asked Martin Sklar to come up with copy for a real estate sign that would be inviting ghosts to move into this home in Disneyland. And here's the sign that appeared outside the empty building. Do you want to read this? I bet you like it. Sure. Uh, It reads, Notice, all ghosts and restless spirits. Post-lifetime leases are now available in this haunted mansion. Don't be left out in the sunshine. Enjoy active retirement in this country club atmosphere for the fashionable address for famous ghosts. Ghosts trying to make a name for themselves. And ghosts afraid to live by themselves. Leases include license to scare the daylights out of guests visiting the Portrait Gallery, Museum of the Supernatural, Graveyard, and other happy haunting grounds. For reservations, send resume of past experience to Ghost Relations Department, Disneyland. Please do not apply in person. I love that. It's so charming. So things were behind schedule at this point, but they were progressing along. Guests were getting at least a little sense of the flavor of the attraction because the exterior was there. And so things were kind of back on course. But then they were put on hold again when Walt agreed to build four attractions for the 1964 to 1965 World's Fair. Yeah, and this is an interesting one. Uh, as a brief aside, I have heard uh, people say before when you're talking about Disney history like you do, which I do. Uh, there's often this misconception that the World's Fair actually came before Disneyland opened and that because some of the the pieces that Walt worked on for the World's Fair moved into Disneyland, I think there's been this confusion about the timing of when Disneyland happened. But in fact, it was up and running. They just paused on all current projects. Um because those four projects that Walt was doing for the World's Fair ate up all of his time and all of the time of the designers and artists that he routinely used because he had put them all to work on these World's Fair projects. Uh, so every project for Disneyland that was going on, including the Haunted Mansion, was just going to have to wait until the attractions for the New York displays were complete. Once the World's Fair projects were completed, it was time to go back to the Haunted Mansion. Yay! So in July 1964... The team was reassembled, and it shuffled around a little bit. Ken Anderson had gone back to work in the studios, but Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie returned to the mansion, and Walt added Mark Davis, Claude Coates, and X Atencio to the mix. X is short for Xavier. Yes. Um, 
And Mark Davis, who had worked on other Disneyland attractions, was tasked with creating the inhabitants of the mansion. So the ghosts were under him. Uh, Claude Coates put his skills as a background artist to work, uh, designing the environments throughout the attraction. And Exitensio worked on the script. He had just done one for Pirates of the Caribbean. So every member had a role to play and assigned duties. But they were starting with kind of a clean slate story-wise. So initially, they were all coming up with pitches for different versions of the story that would run the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, and uh, just for clarification, so Rolly Crump and um, Yale Gracie were still working on effects. Ah. Since we didn't mention them, but they were all still working on it. Uh, and there was another major element of this reboot of the project in that they had decided to add an Omnimover, which is a car system rather than a walkthrough as had originally been envisioned, uh, so that they could keep people moving through this attraction at the rate of thousands of people per hour. So that's how the doom buggies were formed, uh, which are the cars that go through the Haunted Mansion. And one of the installations that uh, Disney and his team had done for the World's Fair was this people move that had been developed in conjunction with the Ford Motor Company. Uh, and it was basically this Omnimover system. And that had been a really great success uh, at the World's Fair. So it pretty quickly was, that concept was adopted over, not just in the Haunted Mansion, but in several places in Disney. That's a common element that you will see. And, and there is it. still a people mover. Yep. In, it's uh, in Epcot, in right? In Magic Kingdom. Oh, it's in Magic Kingdom. Uh-huh. You were right. I was smashing them all in my head together. Well, it seems it's in Tomorrowland, which is a little futuristic, so people, it's easy to do that, to flip it over to, like, Epcot's future world. Yeah. It's a great place to uh, take a break, especially if it's hot out. You get a nice, cool ride. You get to go inside some of the attractions while you just sit placidly. Yeah, pretty much anything that involves sitting in a boat or sitting in a little car. Yeah, for, like, ten minutes. For about ten minutes. Awesome. Yes. Rolly Crump's work when they were working on concepts was way outside of what the other men were working on. And even he admitted when Walt was reviewing everybody's work that he didn't know how it fit into the attraction. He had designed things like a melting candle man and a sentient walking chair. Yeah. So as they were all pitching these new versions of the Haunted Mansion story and like how it would all go together in terms of uh, um, continuous thematic thread, Rolly Crump was just drawing these bizarre things that no was, one knew what to do with. He was off in his own world of weak, weird kind kookiness. of. I mean, he he's still alive today, and he talks about it a lot. Uh, but yeah, his style of art is really unique. Um, it's now pretty much accepted that he his some of his crazy designs are what led to the famous damask wallpaper that's got the eyeballs in the haunted mansion. Mm-hmm. For a while, it was a, a matter of debate over where that actually came from. But if you look at some of his early sketches and some of these works he was puzzling over. It's very similar style to some of the pieces there. Um, and so after having done this review where Rolly Crump is like, I don't know how it fits in. It's, I'm just spitballing weird things that I think are, you know, a little bit more new and interesting than the standard like Haunted Mansion fair. Um, Cause you know, he didn't want to do the same stuff that any other haunted house would have. He wanted unique and interesting and outside of what people had experienced before. Uh, so apparently after not sleeping on it, because 
interviews with Crump, he loves to tell this story. And he specifically always mentions that when uh, Walt comes to see him the next morning, that he was actually there before Rolly Crump got there sitting in his chair. He was wearing the same clothes as the day before and said that he couldn't get any sleep because he was thinking about what to do with these designs. Uh, Walt had decided at that point that Rolly's designs were going to be uh, part of what he called a museum of the weird that would fall at the end of the attraction as guests exited and that they could walk through at their own pace. So kind of the way that people um, will know now many rides in any design Disney Park will kind of shoot you out into a gift shop. Mm-hmm. This was going to shoot you out into this weird museum. Yeah. Rolly Crump's Museum of the Weird. Once he, uh, Crump had been tasked with making this museum show, he came up with all kinds of odd and wonderful things for it. He pulled out things he'd worked on earlier in the attractions development process and embellished their designs. And he envisioned lots of things that will kind of ring familiar to those who've been to the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland or Disney World like a seance with floating furniture, marble busts whose gazes followed the guests, portraits that morphed and changed before people's eyes. There was even a haunted fortune teller's cart. Shall we get back to the Haunted Mansion? Uh, Nothing would please me more. I know. I love it so much. (laughs) So all Disneyland projects, including the Haunted Mansion, went back on hold again. When it was time for the installations at the World's Fair to be moved into their permanent residence in Disneyland. And even after the task was completed, other projects were then prioritized over the now basically beleaguered Haunted Mansion. Yeah, this poor thing had been going on forever. They just were trying to drag it to the finish line. Empty buildings standing there with a sign in front of it. Nobody can go in because there's not stuff in it yet. People are like, wasn't this supposed to open three years ago? Yes. Uh, and then uh, things kind of take a really rough turn. At this point, Pirates of the Caribbean is under construction and almost complete. I think uh, Tomorrowland is being refurbished. Work on a second park in Florida was underway and Walt died. And to some people it seemed very sudden, but I think it's one of those cases where he never talked about being sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had undergone a surgery in November of 1966 to remove a tumor in his lung that had been discovered when he went in for treatment of a neck injury that he had gotten from a sporting injury. Uh, and then just that following month, December 15th of that same year, he died of acute circulatory collapse that was associated with his lung cancer. So this was really just emotionally devastating for the people who worked for him. And losing Walt meant that there was no longer a referee in the whole Haunted Mansion project, which had always had a problem of just big personalities clashing and disagreeing over how to do things. Yeah, and especially when it's set up in that way where you have a lot of really brilliant people and you're like, everybody pitch me a new version of this. And they all want theirs to be the one that goes forward, of course. Mm -hmm. It could be contentious. Um and WED, or W-E-D, leadership, felt that the best solution at this point was to put the team of Mark Davis and Claude Coates in charge of the mansion. Uh, at this point, the, haunt, the Pirates of the Caribbean had launched, and they had worked a lot on it, and it had been very successful, so they seemed like the ideal team. Uh, however, it turned out that after that big success, each of the men kind of felt like he should be the one that was in charge, with the other taking a secondary management role. And you can imagine how well that played out. Yeah. At this point, there'd been a decade of exasperating on-again, off-again production. Then there was the grief over the loss of Disney. Uh, The headbutting of the two leaders created this perfect storm for what had become really one of the most contentious battles in Disney Imagineering history. 
It sounds silly, but the question of whether the haunted mansion should be funny or scary caused these huge arguments and a giant split in the development team. Yeah, uh, Mark Davis really preferred more of the funny, character-driven stuff, whereas Coates, who was an environmental designer, wanted it to be about spooky, scary, eerie. And because they were having such a hard time co-managing this project, it just became this tug of war between these two concepts and designers were kind of lining up on either side of the debate. And it really was just constant bickering over something. It seems so small, Mm -hmm. but you can see how when the stakes are high, because it is a thing that's gone on forever, you have just lost your leader you are a little chuffed with your, you know, success and feel like you're not maybe not getting as much credit as you want. You could see how it could quickly become this boiler pot. Yeah. Uh, especially with a bunch of creative people. I well, mean, I'm a creative people and married to a creative person and I know we can have some tempers. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I think is funny? What? The jump scare at the very beginning of the ride when all the little kids completely lose their minds. <laughs> This is because I'm a terrible person. No, it's fun. It is fun. I mean, it's you're kind of enjoying everyone experiencing it. And for yeah. some people, it is the terror of it. And it's it, that's part of like what makes any haunted house like kind of fun is watching people freak out. So I understand. So how did they get over this, Holly? Well, eventually, um, Dick Irvine, Richard Irvine, who is the WED vice president of design, he kind of sided more with Mark Davis's vision. And so at least verbally, that was how it settled. But even so, the attraction kind of is segmented. And if you think about it, when you go through it, it's almost like, here's the Claude Coates part, here's the Mark Davis part. Um, Coates's vision for the moody and creepy is really more the first half of the ride, like when you're going through all those environments and uh, you're seeing, you know, the creepy coffin with the guy talking out of it and the long hallway trip. And there aren't a lot of characters about. There aren't a lot of like ghosts that you see. Mm -hmm. You have like it's about mood, like the doors that are knocking themselves. Exactly. Uh, And then the second half becomes more about the characters and the illusions that Mark Davis was really a fan of. So that's when you start seeing the ghosts in the ballroom and um you know, uh, Leota's seance and all of those elements and the big Pepper's ghost illusion, which is the ballroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when all of that happens. So it's kind of like the ambiance portion at the front and then the, the funner. We're going to set the stage yeah. and then we're going to have a story. Yeah. And some people have even said like as a, um, this kind of set up a perfect like act break to the story of the Haunted Mansion that it did break out in that way that one half favors one design philosophy and one half favors the other. Yeah. So this was only Ex Atencio's second ride script. Before he had written the script for Pirates, he had been a storyboard artist who worked in the story department at Disney Studios, and it fell to him to find some kind of way to marry all these disparate elements that had been uh, thrown out by this team that was of two different kind of incompatible stylistic minds. Yeah, poor guy. I just can't, like, make sense of this. We've built it. Figure something out. Well, and you and I both edit as some of our work here. Yeah. And we know that feeling of when you get something that is like somebody sent you their note salad, and you're like, how do I make this note salad into a thing? Yeah. One thing that's not note salad. Now picture two note salads and they argue with each other and you have to find a way to make peace. And if you've ever seen uh, interviews with Exitensio, 
I have to say, I can see where he was the perfect person for this job because he has a very um, calm demeanor. He seems very, you know, sweet and earnest, uh, but also extremely smart. And so you can see where... And and he'll talk about often how, you know, Walt Disney, one of his greatest, um, what Exitensio feels is one of Disney's greatest triumphs was that he could see what people were capable of, even if they had never done it and didn't know they could. Uh, and so that's kind of how he became a scriptwriter on shows. Disney just said, I think you're the guy to do this. And he's like, I don't know how to do this. You'll be fine. And he was. Uh, and so in the end, he drew inspiration from that uh, real estate sign copy that Marty Sklar had written. And so that's how he wove the story of the 999 happy haunts throughout the Haunted Mansion that are ready to recruit number 1000. And it could be you. Uh, so all the way from the stretching portrait room to the hitchhiking ghosts, it's all about, you know, these many different spirits that have made their home in the Haunted Mansion and how they would love to invite another member, which I think is kind of fabulous and an ingenious solution to this problem. Well, and that it wound up being a really memorable one. Yeah. I've been to Disney twice in my life, once when I was five and once when I was in my mid-late 30s. Uh, <laughs> And from that five-year-old with trip. Me. You with me. You got to watch me freak out on the Haunted Mansion. One of the... Because, you know, you don't remember giant piles of stuff when you were five. Yeah, it's usually it's impressions. It's kind of piecemeal. Yeah. And one of the few absolutely clear memories I have of Disney from the trip when I was five is the hitchhiking ghosts in the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> yes, they're very lovable. I, I think I was quite beloved. concerned that one of them actually was coming home with me. I'm always quite sad that they're not in the car when I leave. Oh. <laughs> like, Phineas, come on, yeah. get in the car. So, at long last, on August 9th, 1969, more than 18 years after the project had started and six years after the empty house had appeared on a, in a corner of Disneyland, finally, the Haunted Mansion opened its doors. Yeah, if you ever want perspective on a work project, just remember, like, Goff was doing his designs, his first sketches in 1951. Yeah. I also want to gripe way less about, like, video games that get perpetually delayed <laughs> or maybe never happen. Yeah. Usually that does not go on for 18 years. Yeah. that's a, It's a long time. And yeah. I can only imagine. And I think that also led to kind of some of the... I mean, we, we talked about it tying in, but I can only imagine the fever pitch of potential frustration and just taut nerves by the end of it while they're having all those arguments about the style of it. Mm-hmm. And they've just been on this project for a, some of them a decade or more. Just be it. They just probably want it done and they want to go home and have a life that has nothing to do with the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. But it, it was immensely successful from day one. There are photographs from day one where you can just see the crowd. Just the line goes on forever. Uh, and a week later, the Haunted Mansion set a single-day attendance record. 82,516 guests went through its doors in one day. I have a hard time imagining that many people. That's a people eater. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. So... There was a rumor leading up to the opening that one of the reporters at a press viewing had had a heart attack and died, causing the ride to be redesigned at the last minute. Exitensio has said that the preview period for attractions always reveals some problems that need tweaking, but no, no one died of fright. Uh, one of the early tweaks to the ride was the removal of a character that is now referred to as the Hatbox Ghost. 
And this is one that if you are into Disney, particularly if you are into the Haunted Mansion, you know about. Uh, this featured an elderly looking ghost that was holding, surprise, a hat box. Uh, and his head was supposed to vanish off of his shoulders and then appear in the hat box and then switch back again. But the illusion never worked quite right. Uh, it didn't work as planned at the angle at which guests were seeing it in the place that it was meant to go in the mansion from their doom buggies. So it just never worked well enough, and they ended up pulling it really quickly because they didn't want a mediocre effect. Um, and as I said, the Hatbox Ghost is now immensely popular amongst Haunted Mansion fans. Uh, an updated version of it appeared at D23, which is the official Disney convention, uh, just last month, so this summer, 2013. And there have been rumors that if uh, Guillermo del Toro's Haunted Mansion movie ever comes to fruition, which is another on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again, People say it's canceled. Guillermo del Toro will say in an interview, no, we're still working on it. Uh, so we don't really know. Uh, but the rumor is that the good old Hatbox Ghost will be prominently featured. But what plans, if any, Disney really has for the character is not known to the public at this time, to the best of my knowledge. So hopefully Hatbox comes back. There is a, uh, I think there is a site called, well, I know this, there's a site called doombuggies.com. Uh, and I think they have a picture that someone managed to take very early on in those either preview days or one of the first days that it was open before it got pulled, mm-hmm. where you can see what the Hatbox Ghost looks like. Nice. He's very popular. Versions of the Haunted Mansion have been installed in Walt Disney World in Florida and Tokyo Disneyland. Reimagined versions of the attraction appear in Disneyland Paris and Hong Kong Disneyland. Phantom Manor in Paris is set in a Wild West mining town, and Mystic Manor in Hong Kong has an adventurer kind of world explorer theme. Yeah, it's almost uh, for people that have been to Disney in years prior, this place is now closed, but there used to be a place in downtown Disney called the Adventurer's Club, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like an old school hunting club, like the place you would expect to see Hemingway hanging out. Uh, And the um, Mystic Manor is almost like a marriage of that concept and the Haunted Mansion idea. So they they have slightly different twists. The um, Phantom Manor is fascinating, and it has really good music. Mystic Manor has music done by Danny Elfman. So you know it's awesome. Yay! Uh, Each holiday season, the original Anaheim uh, Haunted Mansion and the Tokyo Disneyland Haunted Mansion, uh, they both get a Nightmare Before Christmas overlay, which is called Haunted Mansion Holiday. And so from roughly the beginning of October through the end of the year and usually the first couple days of January, instead of going and seeing the usual haunts that you would see on the attraction, the visitors get to see Jack and Sally and Zero and Oogie Boogie and the rest of the inhabitants of Halloween Town because it's kind of turned into a Halloween Town situation. And it is amazing. I cried the first time I was on it. I'm not embarrassed to tell you because I also love Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Um, it's lovely. I wish I could go every year, but I never managed to do so. So uh, probably will not be a surprise to anyone that there have been many, many claims of actual ghost sightings in the various haunted mansions around the world, both by guests and by cast members. Yeah. And there's always uh, the stories of people scattering ashes in the mansion. I don't like that idea. No, and Disney doesn't either. Uh, I don't know if there have ever been any confirmed ones, but uh, you'll hear kind of apocryphal stories where people are like, no, we vacuumed that right up. Um, so if you think you might want to do that, know that you're not really. No. They're, they're going to end up in a vacuum. And that seems inconsiderate of yeah. other people. Yeah, it's not good. You know, I don't want to dis on how people choose to express their grief. No. And their wishes of loved ones. I do not really approve of the idea of 
getting other people's remains on me <laughs> while I'm in a theme park ride. And you're right. I understand. There's nowhere I would rather be scattered, but, uh, you know, the, those are the rules. Uh, and what is missing in this final build of the Haunted Mansion was Raleigh Crump's Museum of the Weird, because as they were, you know, really ramping up towards the that last chunk of production, they realized it wasn't going to work. Um, so it got scrapped. But many of his ideas for the museum are in the attraction itself. Uh, and as we mentioned, like the seance room with the floating furniture, that was his idea originally. Uh, the, the busts that follow people, which is a really cool trick. They're actually cast in recess, so they're set back. And it's just kind of a natural, cool effect that when you go by... The way they're painted, they look like they're bus standing outside, but they're actually a negative, and it looks like they're following you. It's awesome. Um, and what's interesting is that um, there is in some of the parks, there's a souvenir stand outside because it doesn't dump out into a gift shop, and the souvenir stand looks a lot like uh, Rolly Crump's haunted fortune teller cart, which is kind of fun. And that's another thing that there have been rumblings about through the years, that the Museum of the Weird is being kicked around as a a possible starting point for a full-length feature film script, that it's going to be incorporated into a video game. There have even been rumors that it's going to be its own attraction eventually. But so far, those have not materialized. Uh, There's a story, I think, that LA Times ran like three years ago that Ahmed Zappa was working on a a script treatment about it, and then Disney was like, no, 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 that's not happening. So... I don't know. There's I there's always more to talk about yeah. with the Haunted Mansion. So much more. Yeah, I mean we've hit on some of the higher points, but there's so much story there and legacy and because so many of those imagineers are still with us and are often um, you know, make appearances or do interviews. Rolly Crump's book came out at the end of last year, and it's quite fun. He's kind of a pistol. He's uh, got an interesting history, both in and outside of Disney, and, you know, he's led a wild life in many ways, and he doesn't really hold back. He's uh, very fun. Existencia, like I said, just comes across as the sweetest man you would ever want to meet on the planet. And they love to wax rhapsodic and talk about the old times and working on this project and... I'm sure it was a trial by fire, but they still seem to look back at it kind of lovingly because they they recognize what it became. Yeah, if I had been working at Disney in the the 50s, I'm sure I would be waxing rhapsodic about that (laughs) all the time, even if it was really hard because of what it grew into. Yeah, and it does sound like it. uh, Again, it's one of those things where we see it today and it's a huge massive company and you know uh many people talk about how they their dream job would be to work for disney and it was even for these guys but i think people don't realize it wasn't like you instantly get rich like i was watching an interview with roly crump not too long ago and he was saying when he got hired at disney they offered him less than half of what he was making working in uh i think a ceramic tile factory Mm -hmm. and he was like i have a kid on the way i don't know what to do man, I really want to work for Disney. Uh, so he took it and he had to take a second job. Like, I mean, th- these weren't like pie in the sky, super dreamy, easy coasting jobs. They worked no. really, really hard. So I could see where looking back, you would be very proud of that work. Yeah. Because you really had to be committed. Uh, so that's our, uh, we'll let the haunts rest for now. Yeah. Do you have some listener mail for I us? I do. This one makes me laugh, which is sort of mean now that I think about it. Uh, but it is from our listener, Will. And he's talking about our episode on the Nazca Lines. And he says, I actually have a related story about the Nazca Lines that I wanted to share when I heard you mention wanting to view them in person yourselves. Last summer, I traveled with my girlfriend's family to Peru for a three-week trip. 
For her family, it was mostly about reconnecting with family, friends, and heritage since her parents immigrated to the U.S. from Peru in the early 1980s. On top of this, we also did a lot of the typical tourist ventures, including touring the Val Sagredo near Cusco and hiking Machu Picchu. The food, the people, and the sights were stunning, and it was simply an amazing experience. One of the final day trips we did involved a lengthy van ride down to the small town of Nazca from Lima in order to do aerial viewings of the lines. We had to go in two groups because the largest plane available was a small six-person Cessna. So there were two seats that were for the pilot and the co-pilot. And the rest was uh, people from their group. He says, while everyone else was cautious and took Dramamine prior to the flight, I decided I didn't need to. I never get motion sickness, and I used to spend most of my summers working on the water. Unfortunately, my confidence lasted all of about 10 minutes once we were in the air. My girlfriend, her sister, and her brother-in-law all enjoyed the flight and took plenty of pictures. I could only manage a couple of pictures, and then I had to stare at the horizon most of the time to keep from getting too nauseous. The views were stunning, but my mind and body were distracted by the constant swaying and bucking of the tiny plane. Also, since Dramamine makes you very drowsy, I spent the majority of the 200-mile drive back to Lima as the only one awake besides the driver. So if you ever go on this flight, yes, it's worth it, but make sure to take some Dramamine so you can enjoy the whole thing and not have to keep assuring your group or significant other that you're fine despite that sickly look on your face. I love this. Uh, thank you for the work you do on the podcast. Yeah, so he uh, mentions that he would like to hear some other things about African history. So we... Uh, so so cool, Will. I'm so sorry. This is sort of um, the uh, the treachery of those once in a lifetime trips is that you can't do a rehearsal, right? And, and sometimes your body, because you're traveling, it won't even react the way it normally would. No, and I uh, I have a, a weird threshold for motion sickness. Like I've I've been on a ship before that was fine, and then a different ship before that was not fine. I empathize with the motion sick. <laughs> it is why I can never ride Star Tours again ever oh, in my yeah. life. And probably cannot go on the Hogwarts ride at Harry Potter World. Yeah. I um, I have had almost the identical thing to him, not on a cool tourism thing, but mm-hmm. I go deep sea fishing usually every year with my dad. That boat rocking, I'm usually the only one that's not getting sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some really good luck, too, a couple times with the weather, but I, d- I seem to be okay on those. But I remember taking a small puddle hopper plane with my husband back from a trip to Disney World, actually. We were making a connecting flight from Orlando to Tampa and then picking up our flight to Atlanta. I have no idea why we booked it that I'm way. I'm like, why are it you was, doing that? It was no. probably really cheap. Um, <laughs> But I just remember my husband looking at me and going, I've never seen a person actually turn green before. He's like, you were like cartoon Bugs Bunny, green, pale. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm fine. That one was We did fly through a thunderstorm, I should say. So there was a lot of shuka, shuka, shuka going on. Mm-hmm. But no one else seemed to have the problems I was <laughs> So sometimes it's hard to predict. And I've been on small planes before and not gotten that. It's yeah. Just- your body doesn't always do what you think it will, unfortunately. If you would like to write to us. Yeah, and tell us about your motion sickness. Maybe not or that other part. things. You can. I'm fine. I, I hope my laughing does not make Will feel bad because I'm not laughing at his um, discomfort. I'm just laughing no. at the fact that you cannot predict life and even your body, which you would think you would know better than anything else in the world. Well, and I have enormous empathy for the motion sick. Yeah. Tracy and I have both been motion sick. Uh, but if you want to write to us, do so at historypodcast at discovery.com. You can also connect with us on Twitter at Missed in History. 
And you can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash historyclassstuff. We are also on Tumblr at mistinhistory.tumblr.com, and we're panning away on Pinterest. If you would like to learn a little bit more about part of what we talked about today, you can go to our website and uh, do a search for Walt Disney. And one of the interesting articles you will get is 15 notable people who dropped out of school because he did and yet went on to a life of great accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to learn more about that or anything else that you can think of, you should do that at our website, which is HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of downloadable digital audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Audible has more than 100,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded to your iPod or MP3 player. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash history to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today.